Hi, everybody. Welcome to JPD Weekly and the Sharpening Report. We're doing things a little different today, and I'm posting this episode for both shows this week because I regret to have to inform you we lost a very special member of God's Army recently. <clears throat> Natalina Haudischel, host of the Beyond Extraordinary podcast and all-around wonderful person, after a very brief battle with cancer, has gone home to be with the Lord. Please keep her family and amazing husband Nathan in prayer. Natalina was a close friend of Christina and I. In fact, I met Natalina when I first started in ministry work years ago. Like me, she also came out of New Age and found Jesus, which amounted to one of the most powerful testimonies I have ever heard. I interviewed her about her testimony as one of the very first interviews I ever did. Uh, it was an audio-only interview, no video, because we were really doing a lot of audio-only po podcasts back then. But as a tribute to Natalina and to show how our testimonies can survive past our physical lives on earth and still help people struggling long after we're gone, I wanted to play for you that interview. And if you've never had the pleasure of meeting Natalina, this will be a great introduction. Um, there was also a time where Natalina had Christina and I on her show, and I was trying to find that episode to uh, be able to post that as well. Uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be available anymore, but I wanted to at least read the description because I thought it was it was just really fitting. So um, I had Natalina on my show. About a year later, I went on her show, and it was because uh, we were having a conversation about heaven, about the afterlife. And so we did a long, almost three-hour show about that. And uh, if I ever can get a hold of that episode, I, I'll post it, but... Uh, for now, since the episode unfortunately is unavailable, I wanted to at least read the description that Natalina wrote. So from her own words, this is, this is what Natalina wrote. Exactly one year ago today, and th by the way, this was back in 2015, I think. But she wrote, exactly one year ago today, I was a guest on Josh Peck's podcast, The Sharpening Report. Since that time, I've been meaning to have Josh on Beyond Extraordinary Radio, but because we're both busy people and life is wacky, we were just never able to make it happen. The publishing of this episode on the exact one-year anniversary of my appearance on Josh's show was completely epic happenstance. But Josh is my buddy, and I do speak to him fairly regularly. Recently, he and I were chatting on the phone about a variety of things, and as usual, talk turned to spiritual matters. Specifically, we were discussing heaven and eternity. As Josh began to share with me his thoughts about heaven, what it might be like when we go there, who will be there with us, and how it all ties together scripturally, I found myself in tears. Never before had I considered eternity in such a way, and it was incredibly moving, especially when talk turned to how we might experience relationships with those who we love in heaven. I said, Josh, we're going to have to have you on Beyond Extraordinary to talk about this, and we have to do it now. Thus, this episode is all about eternity. Josh uses much of the research he has done in his book, Quantum Creation, to lay out his case for why heaven is a personal, hyperphysical reality in which all believers dwell. To add to the conversation, we bring Josh's amazing wife, Christina, into the interview to discuss how she and Josh met and how their thoughts on heaven and soul love have given them peace and comfort throughout their sweet love story. I loved this interview with the precious pecs, and I think you're going to love it too. So... <clears throat> I just wanted to read that. Um, Natalina was an absolutely sweet person, one of a kind. There's very, very few people like that in the world, and it is an absolute shame she's gone. But um, the stuff that she left behind, such as this interview that I'm going to play for you, um, can 
definitely help people today. And I think, like I said before, if anything, it shows us that our personal testimonies can outlive us and can still make the world a brighter place. So all that being said, uh, the entire interview is over three hours long. So I'm just going to post part of it here. Then if you want the rest, you can get that at dailyrenegade.com for members in either the sharpening report or the JPD weekly pages. It'll be in both. So you can find it there. All right. Without further ado, um, here is my interview with Natalina. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to The Sharpening. I am your host, Josh Peck. We have a wonderful guest for you tonight, someone I have had the honor of getting to know for quite some time now. She quickly became one of my best online friends and always proves to be a constant source of great advice, ceaseless prayer, and heartfelt encouragement. Apart from her awesome personal attributes, she is also the brain behind the very successful website ExtraordinaryIntelligence.com and host of the Beyond Extraordinary podcast, both of which deals with topics of high strangeness and quirky curiosities, even exploring the supernatural and conspiracy realms, all through a biblical worldview. She is also the artistic genius behind Extraordinary Boutique, which offers the most stunning and beautiful handmade jewelry and accessories I personally have ever seen. She also has had experience in and coming out of the New Age, which, as regular listeners of this show are already aware, is something her and I have in common. This is, uh, this is why we have decided to make that the topic of tonight's show. All of that being said, it is my pleasure and honor to welcome to the show Natalina of Extraordinary Intelligence. Natalina, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited, too. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, so I was looking back in our, uh, our Facebook correspondence, and you want to you wanna know something funny? What? A week ago... We had, uh, we had, I had, I didn't realize till today, but a week ago, we had passed the one-year anniversary of when I first contacted you. <laughs> it was uh, November fifteenth of twenty thirteen. I was, uh, I, I had been contacted by um, the people over at the Edge with uh, Daniel Ott, yeah, uh, to come on that show, and I'd never, I'd never heard of it. I, but I saw how many listeners and, and viewers that they had, and it, you know, at that time, that made me nervous. So yeah. I saw, I saw your your picture on the website, and I thought, oh, I think I have her on my friends list. I should write her. So I, <laughs> I wrote you, and you gave me a lot of really good encouragement and everything. And then shortly after that. On November 29th of 2013, that was the first time I invited you to be on the show. And here we are a year later. <laughs> that is pretty much par for the course, Natalina style. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good. I, I made it uh, I made it my, my monthly routine to keep inviting you and wearing you down. Because I, I, heard you on, uh, I heard you on Canary Cry, and I was so impressed by your testimony, and there's so much that I could relate to. And I mean, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I even teared up a little bit because it, oh. it, it, it just it hit me. And I, I just thought, man, I gotta have this person on my show. And uh, so I made it a monthly, a monthly thing. Hey, if you're not busy, uh, <laughs> come on the sharpening. <laughs> and you finally gave in. Oh, you wore me down, man. 
<laughs> well, that's what I do best. It took me, uh, it took me what three or four years to get my uh, get my wife. Well, you know who's my wife now, but, but when I knew her, it, it took me three or four years to finally get her to date me. So, <laughs> so that's what I do. I, I can wear people down. <laughs> so for the listeners out there, persistence is key. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Well, you know, the funny thing is, Josh, it was, I think the first time you contacted me was shortly after I had done, like, this big series of, of interviews on different people's shows. I guess I just, like, blipped onto a lot of people's radars at the same time, and so I had been doing all of these different interviews, and I think what happened was right when you first contacted me, I was just so burnt out <laughs> from interviews, and so I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe next month or something <laughs> like, and it wasn't anything like I thought well if you really want to interview me you're just going to have to wait <laughs> it, wasn't anything, it wasn't anything like that I think it was a combination of the fact that I was still so kind of like nervous about the whole being interviewed thing because that was kind of new to me oh, and yeah. then also the fact that I had just kind of started my own show <laughs> and so I was trying to navigate my way through that, and for whatever reason, it just never happened. So ideally, the Natalina, a year after you first asked her to be on your show, is a lot more entertaining <laughs> than she would have been if she would have been able to do it right away. Let's just yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I never took any offense or anything. I completely, <laughs> completely understand. And and you know, it's all in God's perfect timing. And you know, mm -hmm. I. I, I really do think this is the, the, the perfect time because this is when it happened. This is when uh, God opened the door for both of us. Um, right. So, and uh, you know, for the the listeners who are who have, are just now tuning into this, this is actually like what our third or fourth hour of talking now. <laughs> it is. I think. We, well, we uh, yeah, a couple of hours ago at least we was, started. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was two thirty. It's five thirty now. So yeah, mm -hmm. wow. Time time flies. So we've been we've been talking for a while, which is which is great. I always like yeah. to try to have a little conversation before the show. And three hours is is fine. <laughs> so That's just a little bit of you know. I think both of you and I have something in common, and that is that we we are good at talking. We yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no shortage of words with us. So. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that is awesome. So you you honestly have one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard. And for, for those who may not be familiar with you, well, shame on them. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kidding. No, but for, for those who may not may not be familiar with you, would you be able to, to share your uh, testimony here? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. It's really um, special to be able to share this story because it is something that is... Uh, it, it obviously profoundly changed my entire life, and that's true, of course, every with everyone's testimony. But, you know, I was someone who, I guess I was raised Christian, and I'm doing air quotes right now because it's like I went to church, I did all the things that you're supposed to do, um, I went through, uh, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I went through like confirmation classes and I did the communion, first communion, all of that, like a good Christian little Lutheran girl is supposed to do. <laughs> and um, 
and I I kind of just went through the motions um, in my early life. And even as a young adult, I was still very involved in the church. You know, I st I taught Sunday school, things like that. Um, interestingly, when I look back on teaching Sunday school, maybe around 19 years old, um, to little children, I was teaching them the Bible stories as you know, based off of just the curriculum that they give you to do, but I don't really think I believed in God mm -hmm. as I was teaching children about God, which is really kind of creepy if I think about it, but that is just the truth. And, um, you know, as I got through into college, as sometimes happens, I found myself moving and drifting further and further away from my um, Christian upbringing and found myself d diving deeper and deeper into, you know, searching out things about what I called the unknown, the unexplained, the paranormal, all of that. I got really interested in all of that. And, uh, you know, I think I was just on a quest for meaning. I was on a quest for knowledge. And uh, as a result, I, I just kind of got deeper and deeper into this whirlwind of, of esoteric type of mysteries and that type of thing and that all just sort of led into me embracing what I would call just sort of a new agey type of paradigm. Um, I started uh, dabbling in that and it kind of increased into being a little more occultic in nature. I, I tend to find that people who, who dabble in the new age at first uh, it's very sort of flower power, new agey, rainbows and, you know, fairies and all of that. It's like very light and, you know, you surround yourself with white light and all that junk. And, and But it almost always gets dark. It yeah. has this progression where it, ta it get, takes a darker and darker path. And that was definitely true with me. Um, uh, you know, I got married, I had a nice life and everything, but there was a series of sort of tragic events that all happened at the same time for me. And as a result, uh, I really, whatever was left of me that thought that there might be a God, uh, became very angry at him. And uh, and I, I started around this time having really severe panic attacks and a really bad anxiety problems. And that just pushed me even further into the New Age because I wanted to get uh, achieve some sort of healing and quote unquote inner peace, right? And yeah. and so you know, meditation, surround yourself with white light, manifest your own reality, you know, law of attraction, all of that, very deep into it. And um, I had started a website called extraordinaryintelligence.com, and the reason I started the site was because I was on this sort of spiritual quest and I wanted to write about things that were of that nature. I wrote about the New Age, I wrote about the occult, I wrote about all of these things that I had questions about, and the site became popular relatively quickly because uh, there was a lot of other people in the internet world that were asking those same questions and had the same interests. So I achieved a, a, a bit of notoriety just from that. And uh, there was one night where, uh, and, and sometimes when I tell my testimony, I forget this part, and I think it's really important. Um, 
there was one night where I was in my kitchen and I was doing the dishes and I had the radio on because I was a talk radio geek even at that time and and I was listening to Coast to Coast AM hosted by George Norrie and there was just this really interesting and intriguing guest on that I had never heard before and his name was L.A. Marzulli and I didn't know who he was but he was really interesting and really fascinating and he was talking about all of this prophecy stuff and talking about you know the guidebook to the supernatural and I was like oh that's so cool that sounds like 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 Nostradamus or something and I need to get that book you know and <laughs> and um, and and at some point during the interview it became clear to me that he was talking about the Bible um, and I was like, whoa, you know, my first instinct was, oh, great, you know, turn this junk off. <laughs> right. But it, it just intrigued me, and it, it, it wasn't something that really super stuck with me, but it, it, it planted a little seed, and I think it has something to do with what led me to the next step, which was uh, sometime later, I was alone in my office, and I was researching something on the computer, and um, I was having a really bad, a particularly bad panic attack. It was probably one of the worst panic attacks I've ever had in my life. Thought I was having a heart attack. Thought I was dying. I, ha I was crying. I was sweating. I was just like really a mess. And I, I, I was just sobbing. My heart was beating out of my chest. My hands were shaking. And the whole time, my one trembling hand was on my mouse, and I was just clicking around different tabs on my screen. I wasn't even paying attention to what I was doing anymore, just through this, like, haze of tears. And um, I looked up at the computer at some point, and my vision just kind of was clear for a moment. And uh, on the screen... I don't know what website I was on. I don't know how I got there. But on the screen, it said, uh, be anxious for nothing, but, ever, but with everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will comfort your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I cannot express to you exactly the level of rebellion that I had been in up to this point, uh, the level of blasphemy in which I had engaged up to this point. But for some reason in that moment when I was probably at my rock bottom, lowest of the low, messiest point of my life, as I was struggling with anxiety, this scripture, this verse appeared on my computer screen telling me to be anxious for nothing. And uh, obviously it was from Philippians. I knew it was from the Bible. I had just never read, read it before. I had never seen those words before. And, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It really did. And I realized that that was beyond coincidence. And... I just laid my head down on my desk, sort of probably right on my keyboard, and um, I said, God, if that's really you, if you're talking to me right now, can you give me some kind of a confirmation? And he did. 
it was just sort of a feeling. It was just something that I can't quite describe, but it was, you know, it was a confirmation. And I said, okay, you know, um, I'm ready. And I just in that moment, I just gave my life to Jesus Christ uh, right then and there. And um, <clears throat> it was it was a pretty profound experience because you know you hear the sort of cliche phrase that you know the weight of the world was on my shoulders but that's really the way it felt and it just lifted it was like the fog lifted and suddenly I felt free and free of the burden of this anxiety that I'd been carrying around and that I had been trying every way to get rid of except the one true way and you know it was pretty incredible because I think of it just like you know how and and you can relate to this Josh because you're a father you know no matter what your kids do no matter how bad they are even if your child looked at you in the eye and said daddy I hate you you would still put your arms around him if your if your little child was crying and yeah. that's the way it felt. It felt like I was a bad, bad kid, and he loved me anyway and did not like seeing me suffer. And how how amazing of a feeling is that? How profound. And so, yes, I, I that was my moment where I gave my whole life to Jesus. And I'm not going to sit here and say that everything miraculously became better and it was you know obviously it was a struggle and it was a journey and that type of thing but uh, it, it was the truest truth that I had ever felt in my entire life and the surest certainty that I had ever felt in my life uh, that that this was finally finally the answer to every question I ever had and uh, my life has never been the same Wow Oh, you're going to make me cry on my own show. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've told that story so many times now, and sometimes, honestly, it, I kind of feel like I'm rattling it off like this memorized speech, and every once in a while I just pause and it hits me, just the profound love of our Lord and the wretched state that I was in why why would he want me of yeah. all people but it it just kind of says everything about his character and everything about how you know all of our righteousness is as filthy rags he wants us just as as we are you can never be good enough to deserve it he he just he loves us yeah amen wow <laughs> you know i i think i think uh you know, j j even just beyond that, it's such a powerful testimony. But I, I think for me personally, why it hits so close to home is because I, I can relate to so much of it. I mean, mm -hmm. even down to the Ellie Marzuli thing, because you know God used Ellie Marzuli to open my eyes too and get me out of uh, out of New Age uh, practices and theology. And you know, I, I was. Um, uh, I, I was into that for a long time because I, I too was, you know, ra I was raised as a Christian. I believed in God and all that. And, but there were so many questions that I had that just were not answered. And yeah. especially concerning spiritual warfare because I, I was being 
just terrorized by uh, why well, I had sleep paralysis. I, I had to deal with that, but I knew it wasn't just a medical condition. I was being terrorized by really evil forces on a personal level, and 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 on a physical level. And um, you know, I couldn't wrap my head around that for a long time. And uh, you know, when I was about 18, a friend of mine asked if I had ever heard of astral projection and at that time I didn't I, I didn't know what she was talking about and I said no and she gave me a book about it and I I read that thing frontward backward sideways you know I, I I just I ate it all up like I was like oh here's the answer and uh, you know because she, she was saying if you can uh, learn to do this maybe you can defend yourself against these things I wasn't realizing at the time that, you know, that's just me taking matters in my own hand against forces I have no idea about, you know, mm -hmm. instead of just leaving it up to God. But I didn't really have any kind of background in any any kind of spiritual warfare. And, you know, the little bit that I did, you know, kind of know, it, it didn't help me, <laughs> you know, with yeah. the, the sleep paralysis stuff. So uh, I thought, well, maybe this is an option. And, you know, once I, you know, I, I spent months, uh in meditation and you know trying to get it trying to get it to work and then it finally did after about six months I mean I even became a vegetarian to try to try to do this because mm -hmm. the book said that uh, if you don't eat meat then it, it could actually help with that somehow but I mean I I mean I was really into it and um, yeah for it, it took about six months but I actually I actually did I, I was able to leave my body and that to me was the first the first real proof that I ever personally experienced that there was something you know outside of physical existence you know gr growing up in the church I, I, I knew it but I, I never experienced anything supernatural that was any good you know I, everything supernatural or everything outside of physical existence that I experienced was like evil <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, so this was the first, you know, I thought at the time, this was the first positive experience that I ever had. So uh, by then I had already long realized there would be no way I could use that during sleep paralysis because of the amount of med meditation and stuff that it takes. I just, I, it wouldn't work. But I was already hooked. I was already in. And, um, you know, I can look back now and see that, that you know, the enemy used that to, to hook me in. So from that, I got I got really into New Age theology, and I I I didn't I didn't deny God, but I, I did something that that may even be worse. I, I tried to uh, I tried to incorporate, I tried to mix New Age and Christianity. I tried to because um, I didn't want to risk losing salvation or anything, mm -hmm. even though you know at that time I didn't even know if that was possible, but I didn't want to risk it. And so I, I kept I kept the stuff that I thought would be you know good for me you know I, I wasn't thinking at all about God I was just thinking about myself and then I was trying to put in all this new age stuff and I my my rationalization I was thinking at the time like well maybe there's you know the Bible doesn't tell you everything so maybe this can be true too and I mean I was I was just so. I, I was deceived, but it was by my own. I was willingly ignorant. Like that's a good, yeah. a good uh, way of putting it. I, I was doing it to myself um, by not taking God seriously, and it made it. At first, there weren't. I, I didn't notice anything negative really, but after a while, I, I didn't notice anything negative until I decided I wanted to stop because. Um, 
of L.A. Marsuli. I I had I had turned on the TV, and there was this program called It's Supernatural, and I and I I, I was familiar with the show, you know, enough. Like I I've heard of it, and I you know kind of had some experience with it, and I was sort of familiar with the format. But but this this guest that they had on was completely different than anyone I'd ever saw on there. Um, and he was talking about Genesis 6 and the Mark of the Beast and the alien implant thing. And I, I've always been, like, interested in that, but I never heard any good... That, that, was, that was my biggest question when I was a kid, were, are aliens real and how do they fit in the Bible if they are? And the only answer that I ever got from the church was, uh, no, aliens aren't real, it's demons. And then I would say, well, where's that in the Bible? Well, that's just one of those things you have to take on faith. That wasn't really a good enough answer for me because it's like, well, if I'm taking it on faith, I'm having faith that you're right. But what authority are you speaking on? You know, if right. it's not, if you can't even quote a single Bible verse. So I, I thought, well, there's just not an answer in the Bible then. And so I was trying to use New Age to uh, find the answers to that, which of course they have a ton to say about aliens, and uh, and I was eating all that up. But then I I heard L.A. on this show that I just happened to, to, you know, I wasn't really looking, I just happened to turn the TV on and it was on. And uh, he was talking about that from a biblical perspective. This was the first time I'd ever heard of Genesis, all this Genesis 6 stuff or Nephilim, or this was the first time I'd ever heard. And I, I was absolutely enthralled with it. And I recorded it. And when my when my wife got home, I said, you have to watch this. And uh, <laughs> and we watched it together. And that that really changed, completely changed our lives. Um, that was, once I realized that, we, we I, I had to check in, you know, I had to look into it myself, so I dusted off my Bible that I hadn't opened in years, and I, uh, uh, my wife and I looked at it and read it, and, you know, we, we uh, got onto L.A.'s site and saw his blog, and, you know, we were reading all this stuff, and we ordered some of his DVDs, and it just, it really opened our eyes, and it got us excited about the Bible, which I, I had never really been excited about the Bible before that, but along with that came a lot of conviction, which was a good thing, but uh, it, it was, I, I couldn't rationalize the things I was doing anymore. I, I, I had to face it head on. I had to really be honest with myself and to God and admit that I was knowingly doing some, doing a lot of things, living my life in a way that was completely against God, and mm -hmm. that he he was not happy with, and um, that that realization hurt a lot. But I know it hurt God more <laughs> that I was doing it. Yeah. But uh, just how loving He is, He forgave me, and uh, not only that, I rededicated my life to Christ. I got rid of all my New Age DVDs and books. I threw them all away, and um, I, I completely renounced the whole thing. And that that really, that that that, if if I wasn't if I wasn't saved before, I was definitely saved then. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I I'll never be able to express the gratitude that I have for God for taking the time, all, all that time that I was knowingly going against him and doing all these horrible things that I shouldn't have been doing, knowing full well that I was wrong, um, but trying to convince myself I wasn't, yet he still had enough love and patience and kindness towards me that he was willing to suffer through that, <laughs> all mm -hmm. that stuff that I was doing, 
uh, to bring me back, and, and and he did. And I, I mean, I'll never be able to really put into words what what that did for me, or what what it's been doing for me, or I it, it really did completely change our lives, and, and my my wife too. And so, uh, so I renounced all that stuff, and of course, the enemy didn't like that at all, and. All the spiritual attacks got way worse, and it started affecting our day-to-day -day lives. It got so bad, and, and at this time, I only knew about LA. I didn't know about anybody else in what's you know sometimes called the fringe Christian you know thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anybody anybody else, and I, I've only heard of LA. So I took a chance. I mean, I knew he was, I knew he was you know pretty popular in this stuff. So I, I didn't know if I'd be able to get a hold of him, but I took a chance and emailed him. And uh, his his wife actually emailed me the next day and said, you know, L L.A. read your email. He wants to talk with you. He's on the road now, but he wants to know if uh, if you can if you can give him a call tomorrow. And I said, absolutely. Like I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I mean, here's L.A. He's been on TV. He's been on Ancient Aliens, you know, on the History Channel, and you know, he's like this big, you know, to me, big name guy, and yet he he's willing to take time to talk to me and counsel me through this yep. stuff. And, he's, uh, he's so remarkable. He really yeah, is. Yeah, and, and I, every, every, uh, every time since then that I've had the chance to talk to him, it, it's been like that. You know, he's, he's really warm and nice, and he's willing to take time out of his schedule. Mm -hmm. to, but uh, so... I, I called him, and my, my main thing was I, I was I was so excited about the Genesis 6 stuff, I knew that I wanted to write a book, and I, I, I knew that I wanted to get started in, in doing like what he was doing. And when it was like right when I got started with that was when all that stuff came, all the stuff from the enemy came up. So I I had just one simple question. I, I asked him, when you, when you first got started, did you have to deal with this stuff too? Because this is what I'm dealing with, and I have no idea what to do about it. Yeah. Uh, so he he talked to me, and he, he he gave me a he gave me a lesson in spiritual warfare, and you know, really he he taught me uh, about the authority of Jesus and how to use his name to cast these things out and to close the the portals that they've come through, and it, and it worked. I mean, that I really I saw real results from that, and. Um, so I mean I, I couldn't be more thankful to him, but even more so more thankful to God for using him, and of yeah. course for him being obedient to God to be used by him. Um, but God really used L.A. in my in my life in in such a big and powerful way. So uh, so that that really led, and that that's when I wrote Disclosure, and that really led me down the path that I'm that I'm on now, and that that's that's the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing now. That's the only reason I've had access to this kind of life that that I'm living now, and I'm I am I, I don't it was just a life changing thing. It was really when I came into myself and realized why God created me, and I I never. Before then, I had never been able to say that. Like, I know why God created me. That was always my prayer: was God, why did you put me here? You know, because mm -hmm. people that listen to this show and you, you know, you know, I, I have this bone disease, and it was just every day was just living in constant physical pain and not knowing my purpose in life, and I wasn't contributing anything to anybody, and it was just con my my constant prayer. The only thing that I ever really talked to God about or ever asked Him about was, why did you put me here? What what is the point of an existence like this? This this is worthless, you know. And I and I had some anger too, and I. But 
God did answer me, and but you know, I, the re I believe the reason He took so long was because I had to I had to get to a point in my life where I was ready to be convicted, because if he if he would have tried to you know tell me earlier, I would have brushed it off. I would have rationalized my way out of it. You know, I I I wouldn't have um I I wasn't in a place before where I'd be willing to admit that I was doing something wrong. Um, so he. God in, in his in his just eternal patience waited until I was ready and, and then he he revealed it to me uh, and and LA was a big part of that uh, so yeah I, I am eternally grateful for that but I, I think mm -hmm. that's why your your testimony hits so close to home with me because it, it really is it really is similar. <laughs> Well, you know, and I think it's a really good example for people, even if there's people who are listening right now who are maybe listening because they they found your show because they're curious about some of the topics that you discuss and they're just listening because they're interested or they're intrigued. Um, I think it's really important that people realize that, you know, sometimes I think there's this this incorrect idea that, you know, maybe, maybe someday I'll I'll give God a chance, but I'm really bad right now, and I know that, you know, I would have to fix a lot of things about myself before I would even consider, you know, looking into the Bible. And and I would just say that is not necessary. You do not have to, you know put on your Sunday best and clean off all the dirt before you come before right. God. Come before Him just as you are, as dirty and broken and ugly as you are inside. All you need is the willingness to humble yourself before Him and just acknowledge that you're lost and you're scared and you're confused and you can't do this alone. And He will say, I'm right here. You know, all you had to, you know, it, 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 it I had very much the same way of thinking myself. In fact, there I mean, I can look back and I can say that there was probably always a little part of me that thought that God was probably there in some sort of nebulous form. I didn't get it, but I just thought, you know, just he's maybe there. And I always sort of used that it in a very manipulative, almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, I could do whatever I wanted. I could just be as nasty as I wanted to be. I could engage in whatever kind of crapola that I felt like I wanted to. And then, like, oh, well, God's there. He'll forgive me, right? You know? And yeah. it's just such a... It's such... You know, of course, His grace goes beyond any of our understanding, and I think that's really important, but it's harmful to ourselves when we're so distant from Him that we, we think that we don't need Him, but we have Him as like our backup plan. Yeah. If my plans don't work out, then maybe I'll see what God wants to do. Right. You know? I would just say, don't wait for that moment. Don't wait for the lowest of the low or the, you know, the moment when you've got, you think you've got yourself together enough to impress him because he's not impressed. You no. know, he, he, he just, he just loves, he just loves us 
and he wants us and that's all he he just wants us to come to him and and just sort of surrender this notion that we have that we that we can fix everything ourselves and just if the minute that you realize that that it's actually the simplest thing in the world to just just relinquish all of that control yeah that we try to have over our own our own lives and that's really what the new age is about it's about believing that you have this level of control over yourself over your surroundings over the universe you know over over your reality that that is all something within your manipulative control and what need have you for god if you have all of this power inside yourself to achieve what all your wildest dreams and your wildest desires you know what what use is god to you if you believe that you can do all of that yourself but as i said it it inevitably takes a very dark turn once you start to realize that it it isn't achieving what you had hoped you could achieve with it and i would say the caveat is that not to presume that that there is nothing to it because right. certainly there are forces that can be manipulated and certainly there are deceptions that can make you believe that you are achieving certain ends but you know the dangerous part of these new age philosophies is not in that they don't work but that in some cases that they do. But what yeah. price are you paying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I completely agree with what you were saying uh, before about, you know, you, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to clean yourself up because mm -hmm. it's, it's a process. Nobody, I mean... You know, I maybe I shouldn't say nobody because I think there are some rare occasions where somebody will get saved and then just there's a, an immediate you know an yeah. immediate you know like flipping a switch like an immediate 180 change. But typically that's not I mean that's not my experience. My my yeah. experience when when I rededicated my life to Christ, it was a long long process and a process I'm still in and it, 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 it's it's mm -hmm. a lifelong journey. Um, you're never gonna be. You're never going to be like good enough com compared no. to a perfect, uh, a sinless God. Like we can't compete with that. No. The, the, we're we're never we're never going to be to the point in our lives where we can say, okay, I can I can stand before you now. That's not going to happen. But what's so great about our God is He doesn't expect that out of us. He knows full well everything that's in our hearts even better than we do because you know we we tend to rationalize things and we look through you know we look at things through our own lens god doesn't do that he he sees the raw truth of yep. everything that's in us so he he knows even better than we do all all the filthiness and everything that's against him yet he still wants us anyway. I was, um, I remember I was, I, I, I have a, a friend who, who's an atheist and I'm still trying my hardest to get <laughs> through to, but it hasn't happened yet, but I'm still, still praying for him and still trying. But when I asked him, what, what's the hang up? What, what is it that is stopping you from at least considering this as an option? And he said, well, he said, I, I think once, once I have it to a point where I can understand it, once I once I can figure it out, 
once I, you know, if, if there's a God, I, I feel like I would want to give him the proper respect that he would deserve if he's real <clears throat> by at least being able to uh, understand it before jumping into it and be, being able to look at it from all angles. And I, I told him, I said, well, you're never going to get there then. Because no. I'm, I, I've been in, you know, I've been in this technically my whole life and I'm not there. Uh, there. There are people that have been in, in this two, three times as long as I have. They're not all there. We're never going to get there. Yeah. Uh, I, I said, if you're if you're saying that, I, and I, I told him, I, you know, because we're we've been close enough friends for a lot of years now, where I can be honest with him. And I said, honestly, that's a cop out. I, I said that that's, and and I understand it because that's the same kind of rational view I took when I was in New Age stuff. I I, I said that's uh, that's your self rationalization, so that if by chance you're wrong and you will have to stand before God someday, you're rationalizing it that you'll just tell him that. But that's not going to fly. <laughs> right. Um, because right now you're having me explain to you you're not supposed to have it all figured out. The only thing that you need to realize is that you're not perfect and that you, you are in need of a Savior because mm -hmm. you cannot even begin to hope that you can compare against a perfect God. But the good thing is that God in his perfect loving kindness and all, all that good stuff he'll he'll forgive you for all that you don't have to worry about that you just you just need to accept it and you know mm -hmm. James 4 8 says that if we if we draw nigh to God he'll draw nigh to us and I think that's so important Amen. because the the chronology of that verse we have to make the first move he's not gonna force anything on us you know he's a gentleman mm -hmm. um, it's not it doesn't say God will draw nigh first you know, we have to draw nigh to God and then he promises he'll draw nigh to us so he'll he'll meet us halfway and uh, but we gotta take the first step so I I, I totally agree in with, with what you were saying with that so if, if anybody's <laughs> listening uh, that doesn't know God or that is kind of on the fence about it I you know this might not be the most eloquent way of saying it but just try it out what do you yeah. have to lose <laughs> you and know if in, there's there's also the problem of people thinking that they have done something so bad in their lives that even if even if they really 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 wanted to they couldn't come to God because they've just been so bad let me tell you a little example of just how bad I was. I actually had associated with a group of self-proclaimed Luciferians and Satanists. And while I didn't necessarily partake in the things that they were doing, I became sort of, I mean this is terrible to think about, but sort of their like PR person. I did a lot of their um, artwork for their group and I worked on some of their marketing stuff and I was that intimately involved with a group of people like that and I don't know if there are levels of blasphemy that get much worse than that to be honest. Right. I don't talk about it all that often, not because I believe that you know I'm not forgiven or anything like that, but because quite frankly, it's just not something I like to remember. Right. Um, but the the level of rebellion in which I had engaged, uh, if if there was a limit <laughs> to how 
you know, oh man, you are you have been really bad. You crossed the line. I mean, I should have been there, but thankfully, thankfully, thank God for his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace that there literally is no limit. It there is not that one unforgivable thing that you could have engaged in that that will exclude you. You are loved even in those moments. And yeah. the Holy Spirit, you know, grieves for those who are in, locked into that type of behavior. But if you just surrender yourself and 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 recognize how incredibly filthy and 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 broken that you are but you just put yourself in in that wonderful place that I came to know where it, it, it's hard to describe to people because it's like it's, it's a really I use the word ugly because it's just it you the 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 ugliness of the things that I had engaged in and the brokenness that I was experiencing in my soul in the very pit of my being that was the moment when God just like ripped my chest open and filled me with so much love and I realized that it, it it didn't really matter how bad I was before. All that mattered was that I had I was willing to give it to him, and and it it, it really is life changing. And like you said, it's not necessarily something that all of a sudden everything becomes perfect. And I really try. I, I have to be careful sometimes because I become so. Um, passionate about how much my life had changed that I, I hope I don't give the impression to people that all of a sudden you know like now I'm this really good person all the time right. and I never do anything bad and you know <laughs> and, you know I'm, I'm I'm still a sinner yeah and I still struggle every single day of my life but every single day I have this brand new opportunity to give it to him and he takes it and he forgives me and he loves me and renews me every single every single day and how beautiful is that yeah I mean he he really is the perfect father and you know I, I, and to to speak to um you know people who think that they might have done uh something that's that's too bad or or you know too horrible to be forgiven well look at look at Paul I mean he mm -hmm. killed Christians mm -hmm. I mean be, before he before his conversion on the road to Damascus he that was basically his job was killing Christians yeah. I, I mean chief chief among and, sinners right yeah, absolutely. And look at what God did with him. I mean, he he has one of the most powerful conversion. And I mean, if if it weren't for Paul, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament. And, and uh, you know, so I mean, God can use regardless of what you what you've done. If you're willing to give it to God, God can use you in such a powerful way. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and Paul is the perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, and uh there was another point I was going to make too, and I I think it slipped my mind. But um, <laughs> uh, you, yeah, you were talking about being being renewed every day. Oh yeah, um, 
he the thing about God is a, a lot of times you know we we put these titles on him and you know that's fine you know it it's it, it that's fine but he really is he's it's not just you know our Father Lord in heaven he's our dad mm-hmm. and that that's that's the thing with somebody who's listening you have you. I, I grew up basically in a fatherless home. You know, I, I didn't I didn't have really a dad. You know, I kind of did, but not not really. And that that's a whole other story. But uh, looking back now, I mean, and, and even to this day, you know, God, God's my father, but he's my dad too. Right. <laughs> I mean, there there are times when I pray and I call him dad because that that's that's what he is. Yeah. That, that's that's the level of personal relationship that. He's allowing us to have with that he wants not not even not even just allowing us to have but wants with us. Right. You know, we're we're his children. He 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 wants his children to know him, and um, that that was one of the most profound things that I, I've ever come to the realization to is that, you know, he he it's not just father, it's not just Lord, it's not just God. He's our dad. <laughs> And, uh, well, absolutely. I mean, the entire Bible from creation all the way to Revelation is God's quest to be close with us and to have a relationship with us. I mean, that's the entirety of the Bible. I think sometimes people look at the Old Testament and they, they think, well, you know, there's none of that really in there. But really, you know, from the moment when he was walking in the garden, you know, with Adam and Eve till you know you go forward to where to the tabernacle and you just every step of the way it's this it's this relationship that God has with his creation it's so incredibly beautiful uh, and and ultimately of course when he sends us Christ and then the Holy Spirit and just the whole story the whole you know, someone got mad at me. I'm just gonna I'm gonna tangent a little bit. Yeah, go someone for it. Got, someone got mad at me uh, one time because I used the word story <laughs> <laughs> because they in reference to the Bible because they thought that story meant fiction that I was implying that it was fiction, and that's not at all what I mean when I say story. What I mean is like it's the greatest story ever told, right? Yeah. I mean, it it it's it's this incredible story because it's true yeah <laughs> and, and I, I guess I'm going off on a tangent here but that but, but that's the part that I think I never really got when I was in church as a kid and and as a young adult I never really got the fact that that he wants this closeness and he wants this relationship and he and and you know he's not this tyrannical God that's just smiting left and right, you know, which is, I think, sometimes the impression that can be given, you know, not at all. It's an intimacy that that once you understand it and once you've felt it, it's uh, it's the greatest it's the greatest thing ever. It's it's it changes your whole world. It changes everything. Amen. I, I I don't have this written in my in my questions, but I, I get the feeling that there's going to be somebody listening to this that maybe hasn't heard this before, or or maybe who 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 doesn't know God, and and that might be involved in in some things, and that they're you know maybe their eyes are being opened now. If there if there's somebody listening, how if there's somebody listening that that wants to know 
wants to know God more, want, wants to give it give it a chance at least. How how would you um, how would you advise them to go about doing that? Well, you know, it's it's actually really simple, and I'm going to go back to <laughs> L.A. Marzulli. You know, he's got a really great testimony, and part of it was part of what he said advises is that you just and you alluded to this too that you just try. You know, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to even really know what you're going to say. I mean, there's not a specific prayer that you have to pray. There's not a specific word that you have to say. There's not an, it, you know, God doesn't work like a magical incantation. It's just humbling yourself enough to recognize that you can't do it alone and reaching out. And, you know, it might be something as simple as just saying, help me. You know, God doesn't care if you're eloquent. God doesn't care if you, you know, have this profound soliloquy of all of, you know, your wrongs that you've done and how unworthy you are. It's, none of that matters. Just cry out and say, help me. Even if you just say, are you there? You know, reveal yourself to me. Sh you know, deliver me from this. Deliver me. And he's faithful to do it. Every time. He's faithful. And he hears your cries. And he, he just, just, just give, give yourself the, the opportunity to to recognize that you need a savior, that you can't do it alone, and then just ask, just ask. You know, especially people who are involved in the new age, you you have this inquisitive mind, and you you've been on this journey, you've been seeking answers, you've been on this quest. I know that quest. I took that journey for many many years, but I also know that. You like to fancy yourself as an open-minded person. I mean, in fact, you've probably said many times in your life, you know, I'm open to everything. I'm I'm open to whatever, whatever. You know, it's it's all good. It's all real. The universe is vast, and all this stuff. Well, then I would say to you, if you truly see yourself as someone who is open, I ask that you open your heart to God and just just ask Him into your life invite him tell him that you want him tell him that you need him and he's right there like he's right there it's actually that simple you know it just be sincere about it be sincere about it don't you don't have to approach it like it's a challenge just 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 be sincere and say I need you I need help and he'll he, he will respond he's faithful to do so I could not have said that better myself <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really, you know, sometimes I think that, uh, that there's this idea that you have to say the right words. You have to, say, you, have to you know, articulate yourself in such a way that that's the most correct or the most pious or, the, you know, the most sincere. And honestly, you don't have to do that. You can literally just say what's in your heart and maybe all that's in your heart is... Oh, I am just so sad 
and I'm so broken and I'm so alone and I need help. Sometimes that's all you've got and that's all you need to say. That's, yeah. Uh, you, that it works just as well as, you know, a 10 paragraph prayer that someone else wrote for you. Just say help me, you know? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I, I honestly I couldn't have said it better myself. That it, it, it it's so true. Um God know God knows what's in our hearts even before we know what's in our hearts. He knows what's in our hearts and mm -hmm. all all he wants is just for us to be honest with him and even if we have questions or even if we're even if we're mad, I mean there there have been times mm -hmm. that I've been angry at God and you know I never you know I never like cussed him out or anything, but <laughs> there there have been times that I've been upset and it's just like God, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like I I I cannot wrap my head around this. And but he's he's so loving and patient that yeah. he will listen to that and he will respond and that, that wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting choked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I think it's something that we all go through. I mean, this has been quite a year for me, and and I've been had through a lot of ups and downs, and I'm still in the thick of it. And I've had my moments where I'm ticked off at God. It, it's silliness, but it's our human nature. And exactly. And, you know, it's just a reactionary thing, and we're always so quick to be, you know, point the finger, find someone to blame, and, and sometimes God is the most convenient uh, avenue to take, and um, it's it, it happens, and he's so merciful, and he's like, you know, he, he always gives me this, when I'm in those moments, I always get this feeling like he's going, I know. I know. Yeah. I hear you. You know, I I know. It's okay. And it's um you know, all of these other different religions and belief systems, their concept of deity is one where you have to, whether it's through Buddhism and the seven steps of enlightenment or whether it's through Islam and you have to pray a certain way and face a certain direction and achieve certain levels, you know, or whatever it is, you know, the one true God recognizes that the one true God doesn't have those kinds of strings attached, right. you know. He, all that is required in the case of God Almighty is to just believe. And you're, you're not expected to live up to some great level of expectations because you can never, as you said, you can never achieve that. It's impossible. And, uh, you know, how desperate it must feel to be part of one of these other belief systems where it's constant striving, 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 you know, yeah. to be good enough, good enough, good enough. And in some, you know, isn't it just wonderful to just be able to, ah, uh, relinquish some of that and just, you know, re breathe and release it and just say, I am a sinner. <laughs> Please <Yeah>. forgive me. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to make light of sin, but it's it's one of those things where there's a certain burden that's lifted off of you when you know 
that you're that it's never going to be good enough that God is not going to be impressed by your attempts at righteousness you know right absolutely and and yet he forgives us anyway and that mm -hmm. that's you know the hope that we can really hold on to is that we we're not expected to be good enough <laughs> right that's right oh wow yeah and you know and especially like with with my experience in in uh new age theology and stuff you know i i mainly hovered around like the astral projection side of it but i got into a lot of the other stuff too mm -hmm. and there are so many uh there are so many things involved with that where you everything is it, it's self-centered kind of you know yeah. everything is is your your own making and but what comfort does does that bring to somebody who goes through tragedy? You know, if they think that they're mm -hmm. in control of their own universe and everything, and their child dies or something, mm -hmm. what kind of comfort does that bring? If anything, it's gonna be like, oh, I should have did better, or that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And you know, we with with God, we don't have to we don't have to deal with those sorts of things because there's, you know, there's a a more truthful understanding of that. So I I, I wanted to about the. New Age stuff. I, w I wanted to ask because there mm -hmm. there are a lot of um, a lot of doctrines. What yeah. what are some of the most dangerous doctrines of New Age theology, and what is it exactly that makes them so dangerous? Well, you know, for me, the the thing that I find the most dangerous uh, is because I I am seeing it so much now, and frighteningly, I see it inside the church too. Um, is the whole concept of the law of attraction. Yeah. And um, I find it to be frighteningly uh, dangerous because, A, there is a level of it that works. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. So for those who don't know, the law of attraction is really this principle that uh, what Whatever it is that you want for yourself, whatever it is that you desire for your personal self or your environment is something that you can manifest into being uh, by, by well, whether it's things that you say, whether it's by visualization, um, whether it's by putting things out into the world, the concept that what you put out you will bring back to you. Um, and really, at the end of the day, it's no different than magic, really, you know, and uh, um, it, it, it's a pretty package on the idea of basically using, saying your right words and, and using an incantation or, or, or a spell or a trick or whatever to bring this thing to, one of the most um, popular ways that it's put right now is to manifest your own reality. And um, people who have heard of things like The Secret, for example, uh, they will be familiar with the concept even if they don't necessarily label it as the law of attraction. And the, the problem with, the biggest problem, there's many problems with it, but one of the biggest problems with the law of attraction is there's no room for God in that equation. Right. There's no room for... Uh, for Jesus Christ when you are in this paradigm where you are manifesting everything unto yourself and 
unfortunately, it is a very prevalent thread throughout the New Age, but we're also seeing it creeping into the church in the prosperity gospel and things of this nature, which is no different than the law of attraction. Because once again, you are it when it happens inside the church with like through the prosperity gospel and things like this, is you are treating God as one who you can manipulate to do your will, as though the Creator Himself is no different than the these the the universal energies that you're trying to manipulate, and you know it it's um it's particularly dangerous because it can be twisted through certain scriptures where people will say, well, you know, the power of life and death is in the tongue and and um, asking you shall receive, you know, they'll they'll take these things and they'll say, well, that proves <laughs> <laughs> that the law of attraction is is biblical, right? Right. <laughs> it, the, the difference is that when you are trying to quote manifest your own reality or when you are engaged in this behavior what are you really trying to do you are trying to elevate yourself to a godlike status when you say I'm trying to manifest my own reality what you're really saying is I'm being a creator right and I am trying I am trying to be on par with the creator and it kind of becomes really gnostic too you know where it's like this idea of the demiurge and this idea that you know there's there's this um flaw in creation and if i could achieve this level of consciousness and tap into this level that you know the, this idea of of uh, of a heightened consciousness wherein i can now manipulate the very forces of nature and i know that all sounds really hippy dippy but there is a giant giant swath of the population that very much buys into this they're they're seeing it in the the secret they're seeing it through um oh there's a new one coming out that's called the power of the heart and it's it, it, it there's uh, a lot of the same people who were involved in the secret are now in, aren't involved in this power of the heart and it, it's 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 maddening because that whole thing is about how um all you ever have to do is follow your heart and your heart will never steer you wrong. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm thinking, um, the heart is deceitful above all things. Yeah. No? <laughs> you know? Um, but, so, so that was a really long way of saying that I think that the law of attraction is particularly dangerous because of the way it permeates and because of the way it, 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 it is uh, working its way into the church and so there's just these lines being blurred and ultimately if you if any part of your philosophy puts you in a situation where you think that you could do better than God you are off track man yeah. <laughs> you are really off track and don't let fancy terminology like the law of attraction ooh it's a law but it's just a law of physics you know th that's to me like people who are involved in the occult like they're involved in actual magic saying things like 
I practice causal engineering. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they're only saying that because they know it's bad PR to be like, I can do magic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same doggone thing. They mean the same thing. It's, it's all about using what you perceive to be your own power to be a creator. And the minute you start playing with that kind of fire, you are saying, I have no need of a creator or I can do better than the creator. I will put myself, you know, and we of course know that that is the very lie from the garden, right? That ye shall be as gods. This yeah. is the very first lie and it's the and it's continuing to this day and I just feel like this whole movement, and, and and you know a lot about this because you're very uh, well versed in like quantum mechanics and and all of this, and and you know how easily this can be flipped and manipulated, and suddenly people think that they have these abilities to manipulate the very forces of nature in the universe, and again, the minute you start thinking that you can do that. You don't need God because you are God, right? Yep. You're the God of your own little universe, and you are in charge, man. So what difference does it make if there's a God out there? Because I've got all this figured out. I can do it all myself. And this is why I say that the New Age always becomes dark. Because as you said, what happens when something really bad happens to you? And you're sitting there thinking... Dude, I have been putting so much positive mojo out there, and I have been manip I have been creating this amazing reality for myself, and I do not understand how this really bad thing worked its way in there because I didn't put that out there. So how did it come back? And then all of a sudden you're 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 reeling and you're thinking, okay, what did I do to make this happen? Because obviously I have all this control. So not only do I control the good things, but I control the bad things. And so obviously I made this bad thing happen. And so it's just this snowball of self-destructive behavior that is is just you know, it's just from the pit of hell because what a huge burden it ends up being to think that all of this is within your control. I mean, it just spirals into into desperation, you know, because ultimately we know none of it's in our control. We yeah. got we we don't have a grip on any of it. It's not us doing any of this. None none of this power is of ourselves. So it is so so dangerous and it actually really grieves me to see how prevalent it's become amongst just everyday people, you know, soccer moms and average Joes. They're all reading The Secret. They're all involved in this. They all think that they can, you know, tap into this weird, you know, universal consciousness and 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 surround themselves with positivity bubbles that will just keep them safe from everything and it's dangerous it's really really dangerous it's it's insidious you know it's so much more dangerous than than you know when people think of of being involved in 
magic or the occult, you know, you kind of have these images in your mind of people with like a robe with a hood over their heads and they're, you know, scheming and whatever. And I'm not saying that that kind of thing doesn't exist, but when you're talking about things like the, the law of attraction, it's insidious because it seems so positive and it seems so benign. Right. Yeah, and the the I and I I know you you know about this too because we both been in this. The mentality when somebody's involved, it's it's hard to pull somebody out of that. Like yeah. I I because I know when I was going when I was in it, I was fully convinced that that was the right way, and there wasn't going to be anything that was going to tell me any different. And you know, yeah. I mean, because there were there were I I. I knew like my family would try to talk me out of it, so I just didn't tell them about it. Um, I wasn't going to be talked out of it. Yeah. And now, now, you know, coming out of it and knowing that that mentality is so strong and concrete, I, I, uh, you know, there, there are times that I come across people or have friends that that are still actively involved in it, and that can be a that can be a hard thing to witness to somebody like that. And I'm sure that there are listeners. Mm -hmm that are listening to this now that know somebody or that have family or friends that are actively involved in this and they don't have any intention of of changing and witnessing yeah. has been just unsuccessful um, so so drawing from your own conversion experience what what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to witness to a person who's actively involved in uh, in this new age stuff well, you're right. It is something where, you know, because the whole thing is so self-centered and you have, you know, a new ager has put themselves into a position where they firmly believe that that the power of all creation is in their own control. They're sometimes they're not very open to hearing from other people because you know, there's this concept that I'm sure you're aware of that, you know, you, you have to disassociate from anyone who's bringing negativity into your life because then that just screws up the whole idea of manifesting your positive little realm, right? Right. You can't have, and so, and so they see any challenge to what they've, this this reality that they're trying to build for themselves they see any challenge to that as negativity and so there's there's this instant shutdown where it's like no I cannot have that you're gonna ruin this and you, you know you're gonna spoil my energy all that stuff so I believe that the best way to approach someone who especially someone who's very deeply involved is you know there's there's this idea that you have to just come at these people and 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 scare them straight or whatever and i find that you know maybe that works sometimes but it's not very effective for people who already have this idea in their head that christians are all about scary people right. <laughs> you know cuz that's exactly what i used to think i thought that christians were were all about you know scaring me uh, about going to hell and all of this different stuff and I'm not saying there's not truth to that but there's a way to approach people that is more effective and I have found that compassion and empathy is one of the one of the most effective ways to approach someone especially if there's in some way that you can relate to how they're feeling is to 
not come at them in a condemning, you know, shaking your finger at them and just being like, oh, you're being so bad, you're so naughty, you're off track, you know, but actually to approach them and say, you know, I get it. Yeah. I get why you're doing what you're doing. I understand why you would want to be involved in what you're involved in. You know, I can't tell you how many times I have said to people, you know, I get it. I'm not even going to sit here and try to say that, you know, you're crazy and off your rocker for, for, for dabbling in what you're doing because I get it. I know why. I know why they're doing it. And so the minute you can start with something like that, you have their attention because you didn't start by, by condemnation. And so now the door is maybe a little bit open if they're understanding that you at least kind of get why it is that they believe what they believe on some level. doesn't mean that you're validating it, but you understand the thought process that got them to that point. And so then it's compassion. Then it's, you know, kind of just approaching them using some of the terminology that maybe they're familiar with and saying, you know, here's something really cool and you can use the approach of taking some of the things that they believe in and flipping it on its head and using uh, you know scripture to explain it and also I find that you know once you can engage in a dialogue with someone who's involved in the new age you can kind of slowly start chipping away at some of that control and kind of you know saying you know isn't it kind of frustrating though like you've been working so hard at this but yet you know these bad things still kind of happen I mean doesn't it get frustrating after a while and that just kind of opens the door but the important thing is to recognize that every single person is an individual every single person is going to react differently every single person is going to be open to hearing things in a different way so I always advise people to take the cue from the person you're talking to. Don't go into it with like this script. You know, don't go into a witnessing type situation with this pre-prepared set of notes of, of points that you need to hit. Take a cue from the person and what they tell you. Listen. Listening is really important because if you open the door for someone to tell you their story, you're going to learn so much more about them. You're going to learn why they are where they are and then you kind of get a better idea of what it is that they need and you kind of know how to speak to them. Speak to them with respect knowing that at the end of the day, they're no more, no less deserving of God's love than you are. We have to be able to relate. We need to be have empathy. We need to be compassionate. We need to be sympathetic. And 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 I think that those, if you can, if you can come to them on a person-to-person -person level and just be real with them, it it's so much more effective than. And I know this sometimes comes off as, as I'm as I'm coming down on people who are really super preachy, but really that's not always the most effective way. Because I guarantee you, and you know this, Josh, that I guarantee you that if someone is really deep into esoteric knowledge, if they're really deep into the occult, if they're really deep into the new age, there's not a whole lot of scripture. There's not a whole lot of of things that you can say to them that they haven't 
heard already, that they haven't already prepared a defense for. You yeah. know, they, they, they already know, they think they know what you're going to say. So sometimes it requires a different approach, and I would say that the best way is to just be, just be real. Just try to have a dialogue. Hear their story. Hear what they have to say. Let them explain to you what they believe, and then just have a conversation. Don't be weird. That's what... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sometimes Christians can be kind of weird. They almost, like, hyperventilate. Like, how oh, am I going to, you know, I got to get all of the, I got to hit all the highlights and all the points. You know, just just have a conversation and ultimately let the, let the Holy Spirit guide you in, in the moment, in the situation with that individual. Exactly. Yeah, I, I could not agree more with that, and that that's the approach that I take in witnessing too. And you know, also to realize you you don't need to get everything out in one conversation with yeah. a person. And I, I think that that's something that's missing in the church that is so important is that personal touch. You know, I I've I, I can't even count how many times I have heard Christians say, "Well, you shouldn't be friends with atheists." Well, how, how, how are you going to witness to them? You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that street evangelism and handing tracts out doesn't work because, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, there are people that get saved that way. But how often do you ever see a personal phone number on a tract? Right. You know, I, I, I remember, and uh, uh, I, I actually talked about this at the, the recent uh, conference in Ohio, which I was, I was really happy to be given the opportunity to, to uh, speak in a, a panel, and, and this came up. And... Um, I I remember I when I used to work at in fast food uh a lot of times you know I'd be taking orders through drive through and people would drive up I, you know they give me their money I'd give them their change and then they would say oh and when you have time read this and then they would hand me a track and then take off uh and uh I, I, I was always upset about that, and I, I, I wasn't upset because they didn't realize I was already a Christian or something I was upset because it's like okay here you have the most important piece of information <laughs> that anybody has ever had, ever, and you're just going to throw it at me and then leave and abandon me and yeah. not take the time to, you know, explain it? What if I have a question? You know, that, what, it, to me, it's, it's it, that... And I'm not I'm not saying that that doesn't work because there are people that do get saved by that and I would rather somebody do that than do nothing. Yeah. But it really lacks it. I mean, mo most people throw those things away because they're not upset mm -hmm. that they've been given a tract. They're upset that they've been abandoned essentially. And how how does that? speak to the importance of our message if we're just going to throw it at them and drive off. Mm -hmm. uh, and really and really what uh what's interesting too is that th there are there's this sort of idea that there's one specific way like for example the people who go door to door and knock on your door and and say hello I'm from such and such church have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal lord and savior you know that might, you know, you might come to the door of somebody who at that moment was ready for that question and ready to hear what you have to say. And you also might come to someone who was like how I was, who I would be like, um, nope, and close the door. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and you would have made zero impact on my life because it's too, it was, if for me, it was too aggressive. That's yeah. why I think that it, a personal, individual approach, and when all else fails, there is a certain beauty to the idea of 
leading by example. If yes. the words that you are saying to someone are making no impact, there is a powerful witness in just showing them Christ through your behavior and the way you interact with people. I mean, it's little things. The other day, I was going through a drive-thru, picking up some breakfast, and I got to the window, and the gal said to me, um, the person who just went through the line bought your breakfast for you, and they told me to tell you that God loves you. Aww. Now, I, wow. You know, what a neat thing. I mean, it was just breakfast. It was an Egg McMuffin. <laughs> right. It was a couple of bucks. But now I have to think, if I was a non-believer and that happened to me, that might have been more impactful to me than someone coming up to me and talking about how my, I was, you know, if I didn't change my ways, I was going to be burning in hell for eternity. Right. You know? There, there, it, there's a certain finesse to the idea that we are all individuals and we all respond to things differently and, and there's a very personal approach but if you can't reach the person with a testimony or with a specific personal witness just going through life trying to remember that there are always people watching you that there are always people observing your behavior you can be Christ you know they're the only representative of Christ that they may ever encounter and how what kind of impact can you have on them just by your actually the way you live your life and how you behave and your kindness and your compassion towards your fellow man that in and of itself is a very powerful witness absolutely we have we have to we have to be willing to let others know us you know in a way that is honest because I think a lot of times you know as Christians we kind of try to stay away from like, like let's say atheists or people who we know are mm -hmm. involved in new age and if, if we do have any encounters then it's like souped up Christian like really yeah. you know that just that yeah, you you know <laughs> yeah and my in, in my experience, the, the the most success I've ever had in witnessing was when I dropped all that and I just was just my honest, sinful, horrible self, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and but but you know, but with saying with with the understanding that, you know, God God's forgiven me and I don't have to be perfect. Like my um when when I when I kind of dropped the act, <laughs> basically, mm -hmm. I, I don't I, I may have gotten maybe one or two people maybe I, I don't even know like saved b before, but when I when I decided to just drop the act and be myself, that's when I really started seeing results because people can identify with that. And when when I when I was more willing to actually have real conversations with them, and you know, taking the time to get to know their story before I hit them with the Bible, or you know, before yeah. I you know do any of that stuff, because everybody everybody needs to hear different things. You know, not like like you said, there's not one universal thing that's going to work for everybody. Mm -hmm. We we need to we need to learn to take a more individualistic and personal approach, and get to know like what everybody has a hang up. Everybody has something that has that in their lives or or something that has prevented them. Uh, from 
you know, why they don't know God yet. And sometimes it's just that they haven't heard it, and then you know, then that's that can be fairly easy because you then it's just you got to inform them. But a lot of times, what I've realized is, um, a lot of times people have heard it, but there's some there's some hang up. There's there's either something that they that they think that's not true, or you know that there's been some misrepresentation of God. Maybe somebody's hurt them in the past that that was a Christian, or they have some outlook on the church. Or, you know, there there's there's always some hang up there. And when we take when we take the time to listen to them and listen yeah. to what their issues are we can then we'll know how to respond that that's why i say you know if, if you are a person that gives out tracks and stuff put your personal phone number on it i mean yeah. if you're if you're if your goal is to get people saved put your personal phone number on it you might get some prank calls but isn't it worth it if you can get through to somebody and mm. you know i mean but i i've i've had more success in in witnessing to people and and actually having people come to me and ask them or ask have them ask me to lead them in prayer to get saved. I I, I mean I've never had that before until I started just being mm -hmm. real with people and being honest. And I, it, it it really is such a powerful testimony to people because re regardless if they realize it or not, they are craving that because they're not yeah. getting it elsewhere. And that's that's why they go to things like New Age because mm -hmm. they're they're craving it. And I I and there there are even. And I, th this was my my thing. There, there are even Christians that almost need to be rewitnessed to mm -hmm. because uh, they are craving something they're not getting in the church or from family or friends or uh, you know their interpretation of the Bible or whatever it is. Um, and then, like me, I, I was craving things that I didn't feel I was getting, so I went into things like New Age. And, man, mm -hmm. it really would have been beneficial, even though I don't know if I would have listened to it, but it would have been beneficial if I had somebody there to explain to me why it's not a good idea to mix New Age and Christianity just because I'm craving something that yeah. I didn't feel I was getting from Christianity. So I, I wanted to ask you why if there's some if there's a Christian who's like involved even even stuff like yoga or reiki or mm -hmm. you know so, something that is seemingly innocent but it's really not. Well, why is it not a good idea for us as Christians to to try to mix those things in? Well, I think it 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 always comes down to who you're putting your faith in. Are you putting faith in your own hands, in your own power, or are you putting faith in God? And when you start moving into things like, say, Reiki healing, for example, once again, you're not relying on God. You're not relying on Him as your great physician. You're not relying on prayer. You're relying on, once again, your own perceived power that comes forth from your own self to manipulate the things around you and once again you are putting yourself in the position of creator and that's not to say that you shouldn't do things to take care of yourself like exercise and eat right and all of those things my goodness that's all very important but when you actually are trying to manipulate unseen forces to make changes to your surroundings you're casting yourself in the role of creator or God and that is why mo you know all of these new age philosophies that you mentioned that is their common thread is that you are real you are 
pushing God out of the picture and leaning on your own understanding and leaning on your own power that you perceive yourself to have and ultimately that is going to take you down the road even if you are a professing Christian and you start making allowances for things like you know Reiki healing or you know uh, the secret or what have you I mean believe it or not I have known a fair share of Christians who believe that you can incorporate concepts of the secret into your philosophy yeah me too and it's it's scary because I don't understand how you are not seeing the connection or the disconnection uh, between what God asks us to do, which is to take it to Him in prayer, and actually saying, you know, God, I got this one. I'm going to go ahead and just make this happen myself, and I will let you know if I need you. Right. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what it boils down to. You're casting yourself in the role of the ultimate force of change in your own life, and that's no different than any New Age philosophy. You can't have the best of both worlds. There's no such thing as a New Age Christian. There's no such thing as a Gnostic Christian. There's no such thing. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. You cannot be both. Either you surrender yourself wholly to God or you are relying on your own self to manifest your reality and it will always lead to disappointment it will always lead to a darker and a darker and a darker set of desperation because you can't do it you can't do it alone even when you start to feel like you're having some element of success it's only gonna leave it's only gonna lead to further realization that you can't do it alone and so it, it, you just you just can't combine those two worlds either you rely on God or you don't either you surrender yourself or you exalt yourself there's really no in between right I mean there's Thanks. there's no middle ground because you know it's like either you relinquish control of these things and you give it to God or you relish the control and you push God away. The, it, it, it's impossible to straddle the line. You can't do it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that, that's, that was the hardest realization that I had to come to when you know, I had to realize I, I wasn't exactly mixing New Age with Christianity. I was forsaking Christianity mm -hmm. for New Age. And that, that was a hard realization for me to come to because I had to acknowledge that I, I was denying my faith. And, um, yeah, it, it, that, that can be a tough pill to swallow, but it, it, it's an important one. <laughs> and yeah. the good thing about our God is that he is willing to forgive. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm sure that, you know, I, I've, I've talked uh, on, on, you know, this show, The Sharpening. I, I've, I've went through my testimony a lot, and, you know, a lot of people know uh, the types of things that, that I was into. And I, I'm sure that there are people that are interested uh 
in, in you and and you know because there are there are a lot of uh, practices that draw from New Age doctrines like remote mm -hmm. viewing, astral travel, and there are other forms of witchcraft. And you know, I, I I'm curious, have you had any experience with uh, those things? And if so, mm -hmm. what what exactly was your experience? Oh, I was just like a smorgasbord of, you know, just take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that, dabble in a little bit of this, try a little bit of that. You know, as I said, when when you get to these people like who like how I was where they're 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 just so it's like the, the we always called ourselves open-minded. Open yourself to the universe. Open yourself to the forces around you. You know, let the universe have its way with you. And and at the end of the day, your your mind is so open that y your brain falls out. And it's just it's it's ridiculous when. But at the time, you feel like you're really edgy, and you feel like you're really you know you you're. Well, that's what the whole concept of trying to achieve this status of oneness with everything. It requires you to, quote, be open to everything. So, I, yeah, I, I, I dabbled in a little bit of everything. When I was a teenager, I got involved with a group of girls that called themselves witches or Wiccans. And... Um, you know, I think a lot of teenagers, maybe especially teenage girls, go through that little bit of a phase. But for me, it was something that, that got kind of dark, like really fast. And this was before I even got really deep into New Age stuff. I, I was already sort of rebelling in that regard when I was a teenager, um, where I was drawing pentagrams on my notebook books and and this kind of thing and and I had um, accumulated a pretty vast library of books about witchcraft and and you know my ethnicity is Hungarian and so my ancestors were largely you know gypsies and there's a lot of that sort of um, uh, propensity towards really witchy stuff I guess you could say <laughs> in my own bloodline in my own history and so I used to really think that was awesome and I would buy all kinds of books about fortune telling and palm reading and reading tea leaves and all this stuff and I really bought it and believed it when I got more into you know as I became older and got it more into the sort of more mature new age stuff then I started going into you know uh, attempting to meditate and I always say I, I, if ever there was a problem I would assume the lotus position and surround myself with white light and align my chi and you know it's just like buzzword 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 right I don't even think I knew what I was saying half the time but um, <laughs> but like you know you mentioned astral travel well I always wanted to I always thought you know if I could really just achieve that level then I would be getting somewhere and so I would really tried and it never seemed to work for me because partly because I just have this problem with calming my mind down oh <laughs> like my, me too <laughs> my brain is always going like even even when I'm praying to this day I'm like interrupting myself it's it's, <laughs> it's a lot like how I talk <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I am the same way. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit spastic, and I, you know, God loves me anyway. But, 
<laughs> but so, you know, meditation was always really hard for me, and so I had to do a lot of uh, deep visual visualization practices and stuff, and finally I would get to the point where I, I really could achieve these certain levels. Uh, but when I finally had an experience of astral projection, uh, here's how it went. So I you know, got myself into this real, I mean, I won't tell people how to do it, but it was like, you know, I got really calm and I got, you know, really relaxed and, and disassociated from my mind. And um, essentially what ended up happening was I felt myself sort of, you know, a lot of people describe it as lifting. For me, it was like falling. Yeah. And it was falling fast. And it was really strange because it was just, darkness it was just blackness you know I didn't have the experience of like looking down at myself or going up to the ceiling or whatever it was just like I was falling 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 in the dark and then there was this sense of you know I just can only describe it as like you know with g-forces pressing against your face yeah, and your, yeah. your teeth and and it so it felt like I was falling that fast to where there was all this pressure and then there was like this really loud noise like this really loud incredibly almost deafening buzzing noise in my ears and then I was seeing lights that I can I, I, I tend to describe it as like when you're watching Star Wars and they go into hyperspace yes. where it's like the stars are flying past you almost like they're lines and the, like so that's what my whole vision was filled with these like streaks and stars and lines like I was just moving so fast and it the pressure just kept increasing and increasing and increasing and at some point like this this and it was the spell or whatever it was that I was was just broken and all I felt was fear like just super overwhelming all-encompassing terror and the minute I felt that fear, I just snapped back into reality. And um, it was like I could still, even when I was just laying there in my bed, I could still, my ears were ringing from the noise. And my teeth felt like I had been grinding them. Like, like just my yeah. whole jaw and my mouth was all sore. And... Like, I just still felt like my fate, my skin was kind of tight, as though, you know, you had just been on one of those carnival rides where the force is just pushing your face back. That's really how I felt. And my heart was just racing. And I thought, well, I am never going to try that again. <laughs> it didn't break me out of the new age, but it sure broke me out of trying to astral project. It was terrifying. It was the worst feeling ever. And the worst part was everything I had read just described it as this amazing, wonderful feeling of, you know, just gliding away. That is, I was falling. I was, I was being pulled into something that I don't even want to think about. It was scary. And I never, I, I still tried a lot of other ridiculous, crazy stuff after that, but I never ever tried astral projection again. Never tried wow. it. Yeah, I, I had one experience with astral projection that was like that. And I mean, it was like verbatim exactly what you said. Seriously? <laughs> like, That's weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I the, like the buzzing. And to, to me, to me, it felt kind of like electricity. Like mm -hmm. it was... Um, 
like I was being electrocuted or something. And it, it was kind of similar to how it feels when I go into sleep paralysis. It was it was mm. so similar to that that this one time. Uh, and and it was it was it was a weird arbitrary time that it happened too because it wasn't like the first time I tried it or the last time I tried it it was like right in the middle like it was just some just one day I don't even think I was necessarily trying to at that time but when like when you when you when you do something like that sometimes it'll just happen spontaneously even if yeah. you're not trying and I I remember I was late I was laying down trying to go to bed and you know I I had astral projected like a bunch of times before that and never didn't really have like a bad experience really with it it, it like it, it it was just pretty much like normal waking life except you can go through walls and fly and stuff and, like it wasn't it wasn't at, like at least for me it wasn't as like this grand holy experience or like you're just like I, I didn't like when I left my body, I didn't feel like overwhelming love or anything like that. It just felt like mm -hmm. normal waking life, except, you know, the flying and going through walls thing. Right. But, um, but uh, this one time, I wasn't even really trying to do it. I was just trying to sleep, and it was j just like you said. I I was starting to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, I uh, everything got like. Blur. I, I, the only, the only difference was this time I wasn't, I wasn't falling. But I do know what that, that is like, because I, I, I did have that before. But I wasn't falling. I was being pulled up, and, uh, and it was like, it was just like you said, like everything got real streaky, just like the, the whole Star Wars like hyperdrive. Yeah, kind of like thing. you're flying through space almost, yeah, except you're yeah. falling through space. In, in my case, it was like I was, like I fell out of a spaceship or something. Yeah. It was really weird. yeah. Yeah, I, 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 everything got like that, and I was zooming through. It was like, it was like a, like a tunnel uh, of like just, just bleary like lights because I was going so fast, and I, j I just shot up, and um, I lost track of like where I, where I was. I was just, it was just like that for a little while. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what to think of it, and I was going so fast, I could feel it, like, like you said on your face, like you can actually feel, you can feel it, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it, it, it stopped. And I don't know where I was, but I had I have never experienced fear like that before. Yeah. Even in the worst sleep paralysis moments that I've had, it was nothing compared to this. And um, oh, and yeah, as, as I was like, when it was starting, I, I I like heard that buzzing noise, and I I, I had mm -hmm. heard that before when going into sleep paralysis. So that that kind of freaked me out. Like I didn't. There's something similar with those two things, but yeah. anyway, so I was I was just I was in the middle of it was blackness, but then there were like little points of lights everywhere, like stars, mm -hmm. and I immediately thought, I am somewhere in the middle of outer space, really far away from home, and, wow. and it was it was just utter loneliness and. I, I like I can't I it was it was horrifying because there was nothing like it was just all I could see were I I, I what I'm assuming were stars I I don't really know where I was but it, it was the most lonely empty horrifying feeling I had ever had and I only had it for a split second but it oh I I can't I can't even describe it and that that fear was just just like you said that fear was so powerful it mm -hmm. snapped me back and. I opened my I opened my eyes. I was drenched in sweat. I was like gasping for breath, like I yeah. just had a heart attack or something. Yeah. That that was so horrifying. But in my own stubbornness and stupidity, it, it wasn't enough for to deter me from uh, continuing my astral projection 
excursions because I still I still did it after that. But that yeah. that was I oh, I I don't know what that what that was. But that, yeah, I. I Oh, it was horrifying, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> there is nothing on this earth that I think you could encounter that could compare to the fear that I felt in that moment. And it's like you said, it was it was a split second of fear. Like in yeah. the at the time, it probably felt like it was going on and on and on. But really, it was just a it was a moment. It was enough to snap me out of whatever whatever it was that I was. It was happening, and and just this this terrifying fear, and it you know just snapped me out of it, and and it was when I emerged from it, I felt like I had been drowning, like where you're just yeah. gasping as though you had been underwater, and that you just try to suck as much air into your lungs as you possibly can, and it, it it's so weird though to go through something like that and you and I both had the same experience that you keep dabbling in this crazy stuff yeah you know you would think but this goes to the point of you know sometimes just the knowledge that that there are there there is darkness involved in these types of pursuits is not enough to turn someone away from it, which is why the individual approach is so important. You know, just recently I was talking to somebody who is very much into the New Age and types of philosophies, and their big thing was that they were they were a worrier, and boy can I relate. And so they were talking about how they're constantly worried, and so they always felt like they had to go into these meditative states because they were always worrying about what was, you know, coming around the corner and stuff like that. And like I said, I can relate. So instantly my first thing that I was saying is like, I get it, you know, but that opens the door Instead of just dropping, as you say, like tracts on someone or dropping like these bumper sticker scriptures on them, if you let someone explain their experience to you, you're going to probably have just the perfect Bible verse for that particular experience. I mean, just in, in, in that one conversation, I was able to say, well, you know, you know, and I, I probably, you know, gave myself the disclaimer of, you know, I'm not trying to be overbearing here, but just so you know, that very thing that you're going through, you know, the Bible does address it. I mean, and, and you know, we just paraphrase where the Bible says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, sufficient unto the day is the worry thereof or something along those lines. You know, you paraphrase it, but it gets to the point that you can find that perfect scripture that fits their specific experience and I think that's the most jarring thing of all if somebody is going through something and you can find something in scripture that is very specific to their situation like wow the Bible is actually telling me not to worry about tomorrow like to just take things you know the day by day and 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 that that's intense because that's what I'm struggling with right now, you know. So it opens up the door because, as we both know, sometimes just the the knowledge that these practices, these metaphysical type practices and stuff, ha can get sketchy is certain is not enough to get you to quit. Like sometimes it just it it, it takes that that unique 
that unique specific witness that's that you that someone can provide to you that's that what does the trick and snaps you out of it absolutely yeah and that and and everybody's different and you know everybody will have that one thing like for me it, you know for me it was genesis 6 cuz you know i've always been curious by nature and uh once i found something that was far more far more interesting and something that i you know knew was rooted in truth um in, instead of like new age stuff because New Age truth depends on who's writing it. You know, you mm -hmm. never get like I. I never. I, I read a lot of stuff on New Age and everything when I was in it. I never, and especially astral travel. Mm -hmm. I never read anything about like that type of horrifying experience ever. Yeah. <laughs> Not right. once. And it's and I knew like okay, other people do this. I, there's no way I'm the only one that's experienced this. Why isn't anybody talking about it? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I knew that there was some kind of you know some kind of uh, perversion of the truth there. But it again, it, you know, it wasn't enough to keep me from doing it. I still, I still kept doing it stupidly enough. But uh, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, for me, for my individual need, I, I needed something that was more that 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 would uh, satisfy my curiosity more because that was always my my uh, my my quest you know I, I need I just I wanted to know and understand I I had big questions about things that I felt you know if there was if there was a God there should be answers somewhere and I didn't think that they were in the Bible so I started looking into other things and had to incorporate those things into my beliefs to try to make them fit which it, j it just didn't work but I, I liked to try to convince myself that it did and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and like the, the big the and I don't know why it was this I, I think it's just part of why I was created and part of what I'm doing now but the big like I mentioned earlier the biggest question I always had was aliens which is kind of a weird you know th like the biggest <laughs> question I ever had was you know about about aliens and how do they exist and how do they fit in the Bible? Once that was addressed from the Bible, that that really was like, wow, there are things in the Bible that I don't know. Go figure. Mm -hmm. I thought I knew everything that was in the Bible, and the stuff that I don't know must not be that important because mm -hmm. they didn't bring it up in church. So uh, clearly, if it was important, they would have mentioned it. But <laughs> you know, and a, a lot of uh, a lot of Christians, I, I think, are kind of in that mindset where. You know, I I I pretty much know what's in the Bible, and uh, if they don't talk about it in church, it must not be really that important. Or, you know, like like my church was always, uh, you know, the Old Testament is, you know, it's it's good because it's scripture, but it's pretty much just good for history. So that that's about it. And I was never really interested in history at that time. Uh, you know, I am now, but at that time I wasn't. So I never really bothered to look through the thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And. Um, but uh, but yeah, once once that once that individual need that I had was addressed, um, unknowingly at the time by L.A., but it was it was God, you know, directing that. Once that it was addressed, then my eyes were open, and I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, there is a real reality here that I did I was not aware of. And like I said earlier, that that's the only reason I'm doing the things that I'm doing now. I mean, it, it just amazes me all throughout the Bible how God can use these broken, flawed people that have so many problems. I yeah. mean, Moses couldn't even talk. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, uh, but he can, he can use the, I mean, he could talk, but, you know, he had a, 
problem, but he can uh, he can use these people with with like anger problems or depression. I, I mean, these are like the the really strong prophets of the Bible, or like the the, the really like the uh, the first people of the church. You know, I mean, they all had personal problems like that, but God was still still able to use them. Um, well, I, I, yeah. I really went off on a tangent there, but I, I, go, go right ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, you, it was interesting when you mentioned about how, <clears throat> you know, the different things that you had read about with astral travel and that type of thing. They don't talk about the bad things. And I found that to be a very common thread throughout New Age philosophy. And I think sometimes people say the New Age, and I'm just, I, I say that a lot, like I was in the New Age. And you know, people who aren't really knowledgeable of it, they think that that's like a religion or like a specific religious practice, but there's a lot of things that fall under the umbrella of New Age, right? Oh, yeah. So, but it, but, but all of these different philosophies, they, they, you're right, they don't tell you about the bad things. They only basically present it as if you try hard enough, you're going to be able to achieve these different levels of peace and harmony and happiness and success and prosperity and all of this stuff. But, you know, the one thing that's actually really magnificent and unique about the Bible and about Christianity is that it doesn't, it doesn't like, how do I say this? It doesn't lie to you, yeah. you know? I mean, in John, it says, you know, that, that in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. You will have suffering. You will have tribulation. But, but, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So there's this honesty of, yes, you will suffer. You will have, face trials. But there is an answer to all of it. There is this Savior who has overcome this fallen world, and there's your hope. And, you know, there isn't anything like that. There isn't anything like that in any other belief system because, you know, if you go in, as I said, if you go into New Age type practices, you're going to be told, you know, all of this is it within your own power. If you encounter badness, it's because you put badness out there and attracted it back to you. And yeah. that's uh, obviously through you know, uh, Wiccan type of philosophy. They have their, you know, the, essentially it's karma. It's like the, the the threefold rule that every bad thing you put out there is going to come back to you threefold. Um, and, and, and so once again, it's about you, you being in control. You, be, you are the guide of your own destiny. Um, if you go into, say, Buddhism, you know, they're, of course, going to say all of life is suffering. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really hopeful, you know? So they'll, they'll tell you about the suffering part of it, but there's no hope. Yeah. There is no redemption. And that is, again, what makes the truth stand so far apart from everything else. There's nothing else out there that compares to, to the truth of God. And it, was, it, it just really struck me when you were talking about how they never tell you that stuff. Because the Bible is, is just, it's not going to sugarcoat things. It's going to, I mean, look at, look at some of the trials uh, of the martyrs, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, the, you're not guaranteed a life that is free from suffering, 
my gosh, this is what they try to tell you in the prosperity gospel. And it, again, no different, no different than the New Age philosophy. You are told that you have control over all of this, and if you suffer, it's because you sinned too much, or because you are not good enough, or because you didn't pray the right prayer, or whatever. And it's so anti. It's it's so against what we're actually told in scripture which is that you will have trials you will have tribulations you will have temptations and you will encounter suffering but take heart because he has overcome the world and to have that punctuation of hope at the end of everything is what totally sets us apart Absolutely, and I mean, ju even just the method of salvation, because you know, every every other religion, you gotta do it yourself. You gotta work for it. You got, and then you never really know. Like you never know mm -hmm. if you're if you've measured up or if you're good enough. You don't have any guarantee or anything. You just gotta oh, yeah, kind of no assurance. Yeah, you just gotta <laughs> kind of hope that <laughs> yeah. you know, and and uh, and this whole idea of well, I'm a good person, so. Well, there's a lot of you know. There's based on what, based based on what you know. Mm -hmm. I, I I could everybody everybody does right you know in their own eyes. Everybody self justifies and think that they're a good person. Even Hitler himself thought that he was a good person and doing sure. right by the world. He that he did. You know everybody does. So by what set of standards are we telling ourselves that we're a good person? Christianity is completely different from that, and it says. Like, like, well, like you mentioned before, you know, the our our heart is full of wickedness and all this stuff. It's like, no, you're mm -hmm. you're not, <laughs> but it's okay. Right. You know, God, God's God's like, I'll I'll take you anyway. I know I know that you're you're not perfect. I don't expect you right. to be, and and he he provides he prov he provides a way for us where we don't ha you know the work's already done he already did it on the cross we don't have to attain our own salvation i mean we would never mm -hmm. get there we, no. we would all we would all be damned it it, it would it just would not happen mm -hmm. um but yeah and uh and, and i i i agree with and really like that you brought up too that um new age isn't in itself Necessarily, its own religion. It it, it it's uh, it's a type of it, it really branches off into a lot of different things. And mm -hmm. when I was uh, researching for, I mean, I already kind of knew this connection anyway. But but I, I w when I was researching for uh, quantum creation, one of the things that I dealt with in there was Gnosticism. Um, and I I kind of like had a basic understanding of it, kind of. But the more I really looked into it, I I I was like, wow, this is I, I it was just screaming new age to me, yeah. but uh, you know, and, and you you brought up Gnosticism a, a couple of times, and I you know I'm interested to get your your thoughts on that. Do you do you see a similarity between a uh, new age and Gnosticism? Mm hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, ultimately, it, it all comes down to the same thing, which is that, you know, through heightened levels of awareness of literally gnosis of knowledge of uh, of of uh, practice that we can achieve divinity in and of ourselves you know of course <coughs> excuse me of course gnosticism is this concept that especially like in its most commonly known form now which is sort of like the 
the combining. Like I think back to when I was involved in New Age philosophies, and whenever you would see someone calling themselves Gnostic, there was like this weird combination of Christianity kind of wrapped up into it, but like they would think of Jesus as more of just like a prophet. But you know, it's it's this idea that there is this concept of a demiurge. And this is the the one who is the creator, but not God, right? And so the, it's the idea that creation in and of itself is flawed. And those who combine Christianity and Gnosticism tend to think of God, as, as we know him, as Yahweh, as this evil demiurge, right? And that we need to um, achieve levels above that by our own acts, by our own gaining of this esoteric knowledge. And it, it really is no different than the New Age because, um, you know, the New Age, the one thing that kind of solidifies everything under the umbrella of New Age is this sort of pantheistic all-is-one um, type of belief. So if you believe that everything is connected, all-is-one, uh, God is in everything, everything is God, means that I am God, you are God, that we can all achieve this level of Godhood that ultimately God, like in especially in in Gnosticism and, and in New Age, the the God, like the ultimate ultimate God force, that is kind of how they refer to it a lot. The God force is is this unknowable sort of nebulous force energy, um, it's strictly not personal. Um, not knowable, not not reachable, intangible concept. <laughs> you know, there's no real even uh, focus on what God is, really. It's just this thing. It's the energy. It's the universe. It's this force. But that's okay because you don't even need to deal with that because you've got all the tools in yourself to be a creator. So there's actually no difference. It's all about achieving this level of personal spiritual godhood to where you are the creator of your own world. You are the creator of your own known universe and you are the manifester of your own reality. So there yeah, they're 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 in lockstep. They're hand in hand, and don't let anybody tell you that it's possible to be a Gnostic Christian or to say, you know, this is how it's presented a lot of times. I run into this all the time. I get comments on my website all the time. People saying, "I'm a Christian, but I tend to lean a little more Gnostic." <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't. That doesn't make sense. It's an oxymoron. It, it, it's, it's not compatible. You know, either you are a Christian and you believe in the Trinity and you believe in God Almighty and you believe, it, you know, that Yahweh is the God, creator 
God, ultimate, supreme being, or you're no stick and you believe that he's this flawed demiurge and that he is, you know, that he's sort of this weird, you know, uh, confused <laughs> deity <laughs> that, you know, that you can kind of be like, oh, you know, I, I can, I can get a level above that. It, it's, it's silliness to even contemplate that you can be a Gnostic Christian any more than you can be a New Age Christian who is proclaiming Christ consciousness and all of this jazz. That is another thing. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. When, when, when it when it says in Scripture that you know uh, the the oh gosh I'm just gonna butcher this but <laughs> the, the this is the the thing that you encounter all the time is these New Agers that consider themselves to be New Age Christians or Gnostic Christians or whatever they'll always go to um, you know the the kingdom of God is in your midst. And they take that to, you know, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. They take that to mean that, you know, that that king, the kingdom of heaven is in your heart and it's in all of us and it's something that we can create and it's something that we can be, you know, manifest in. But they miss the point that that is referencing Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he is in us. He is in our midst. We are not the creators of heaven. We are not the manifestors of it. It's it's Jesus Christ who is in their midst when they're when they're referencing that in scripture. So it's just like this twisting, it's like this uh yeah, disregard for pretty much anything else in the Bible except maybe four or five different phrases that fit their cause. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, the, absolutely, they're they're very much in lockstep. They're one and the same in 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 all intents and purposes. You know, it's 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 very much the the aims are and the goals are the same. Yeah, and the the scary thing is like the the reason that. Like I was researching that for a, a book about like quantum physics, <laughs> which is like what do those things have to do with each other? But it, I, I a lot like it's it's crazy. The a lot of of Gnostic interpretations are being put on scientific discoveries. Like, mm -hmm. and that that was like the main thing that I was trying to show with that book is is that um, you know the 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 scientific discoveries don't always match the interpretations like we, we can accept science without having to accept the interpretations that are attached to it because yeah. they'll 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 look at things like like in in uh, quantum mechanics and things where it has actually been shown now this is on a quantum level so it's ex incredibly small like it's ridiculous <laughs> how little it is but that we we do have certain influences over things but right. it's not it's not a creative force kind of thing We're Right. And it's not on a like a macro level. Like I can't, I can't have a tree shoot out of the ground by thinking of it or anything. You know, I might, I might be able. To, I'm on a quantum level. I might be able to rearrange a couple particles or something. You know, yeah. but that's that is on such a small. But but we can't like. 
but they'll they'll take that they'll take that and they'll explode it into this big thing and then they'll even put interpretations that are incredibly gnostic by saying well see this shows that if there is a god then it is this force this impersonal unknowable force that's just kind of there it's a higher mm -hmm. form of energy and then they'll say that that's science and it's like oh man no wonder the church doesn't want anything to do with science when mm -hmm. they feel that they have to accept those interpretations um, well have you seen have you seen those documentary or quote unquote documentaries like what the bleep do we know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I referenced that yep <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy because it's just 100% trying to take this real science of quantum physics and manipulate it into fitting into this paradigm of new age philosophy. Yeah. And of course, like you said, like in the secret for example, if you've ever seen the secret DVD, there's this like one of the very first examples they give is that you're like this little boy and you want a shiny new red bicycle and so you start dreaming about the bicycle you start thinking about the bicycle you start drawing the bicycle and what do you know the next day this bicycle just shows up <laughs> you, know, you manifested a bicycle into reality you know it it doesn't work that way <laughs> you know you can really want a bicycle and then go and work and save enough money to buy a bicycle and then you know by that means sure you can manifest it into being but it isn't something that was like a metaphysical conjuring of a bicycle <laughs> you know but that's how they present it like yeah. make your vision board and your dream board and put the pictures of all you know put pictures of money and put pictures of a mansion and put pictures of all this stuff on your dream board and then focus on the dream board every day and the universe will have no choice but to comply <laughs> with this reality that you manifested <laughs> and in reality it's just idol worship <laughs> it is absolutely it's so funny but again, oh, that happens in our our churches now too. Oh yeah. You know they're they're saying you know, put all those thoughts of of positivity out there, and you know if you if you tell God that you want money, He has no choice <laughs> but to bend to your will and give you money because God can be manipulated. Yep. It's, it's all part of this really, really weird and really um, dangerous philosophy. Yeah, and then there are people that are draining their bank accounts because they're being told, well, if you sow a seed of $100 or $500 into our ministry, then God will... You know, give you tenfold back, and you know, and then they pull, they cherry pick a couple Bible verses to try and support that, and then, and then you have Christians losing their homes and yeah. losing all this stuff and like ruining their families over this, and they're left wondering, like, well, God didn't fulfill His promise. Maybe mm -hmm. that isn't true, and it, it, you know, maybe maybe the Bible isn't isn't the source of all truth, yep. and. And that's you know, ultimately it's, it's, where it goes. That's ultimately yeah. the direction that that will take you down because at some point you're going to hit a wall where God didn't give you what you wanted and you're going to say, well, wait a minute. I said the right prayer. I said the right words. I visualized it. God is supposed to 
be bringing this to me and he didn't and therefore maybe there is no God. Yeah. And they completely forget that very simple admonition that you don't you do not receive because you ask amiss you ask after your own lusts and mm -hmm. that is really crucial for those people who say how come I asked for this thing how come I prayed for this thing and I didn't get it well if you're asking after your own lusts like if you're praying well, you know Lord I want a million I want to win the lottery <laughs> because <laughs> I want to buy a bunch of stuff you know you're not praying you're not praying according to his will right and that is that is so crucial because if you only ever ask for material things and you only ever pray for your own personal advancement and your own personal betterment you are going to receive some disappointment yeah <laughs> because that is not God's will God's will for us is to you know prosper us give us a future and a hope but that does not mean necessarily that it is going to manifest in a comfy cozy life of riches and fame and stuff because yeah. what God is trying to communicate to us through the scripture is that that stuff is not important that stuff is not what it's all about so why on earth would that be something that you know God would would see fit to grant us all with just because we desire it exactly. some people will have and some people will have not and the people who have aren't I'm not sitting here saying that there's anything inherently evil about being well-to-do or you know having you know uh, means that are above some others there's nothing inherently evil if God has blessed you with a beautiful home and a wonderful career and you're using your talents to get to the place where you have these things in your life that's great and I hope that you get on your knees every day and thank God for that blessing and I hope that you find ways to use what you've been given to glorify God and to bless others so I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with having stuff what I'm saying is there's something inherently wrong with believing that God has abandoned you if you don't have that stuff 